Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. I mean, just think about this. For one second, SummerSlam, which some people like to argue is WWE's second biggest premium live event, started with Ricochet (laughs) versus Logan Paul. I mean, we really are living in the crazy times. Also, hello, my friends, and welcome to Ups and Downs for the biggest, hottest event of the summer, known as the Summer Slam. Thank you, Bret Hart, for that one. If you don't know, what we're going to do is we're going to take this as the finger of power, and if we like something, we all go up. If we don't like something, we all go down. And you have to do that with the tone of your voice, otherwise it doesn't work. Let's up those doubts. And the reason Logan Paul and Ricochet was on first is because right after this, Logan Paul, in his damn wrestling gear, got on a plane and he flew to watch his brother Jake Paul take on Nate Diaz. And I watched that boxing fight too. I think it was very good. Michael Cole also tried to act like SummerSlam had four main events. I'm like, this is getting so out of control. It used to be one main event, then it was two main events. So in like 2037, we're going to have, oh, everything is a main event. And as soon as you do that, you may as well pull your pants down and run around naked. What? Logan was also trying to break some necks here because he was doing neck breakers. When he did a power slam and he pretended he was Braun Strowman. I was like, why is he pretending to be Braun Then I remembered that Strowman was the tag team partner of Ricochet earlier in the year. I know, I'm an idiot. I forgot. It's also so much better that Logan Paul is now buying into being a heel because everybody was booing him and he was playing up to it and that just works. And at one point, Ricochet pretended he was going to do the people's elbow, but instead he did a standing moonsault and Logan Paul then did the Hulk Hogan leg drop. I had to make sure I hadn't died, because this was really weird. Ricochet then remembered that Logan had tried to kill him with a neck breaker, so he did an avalanche one off the top, which was nuts. And then they were just reversing all the moves. I mean, they were coming off the top, and then they were grabbing each other out midair and giving each other DDTs. I wouldn't say there was one big spot in this that made you go, oh my gosh, it's going to go viral. But all the little things they did do, when you stacked them together, you had the best game of Jenga ever. Paul then hit a springboard frog splash like it was nothing. So Ricochet was like, oh yeah. And he hit a springboard moonsault. And that mother Hebbard went for the 630. But damn it, he missed. From here, it was just two people pinging around the place. Like, we're all this athletic and we can just get in a ring and go, ha ha, watch me go. And all of a sudden... I could smell something in my nose. That's right, it was shenanigans. I mean, we should have known. Because from nowhere, as Logan Paul was kind of dead on the outside, one of his security team just gave him some brass knucks. This person 
was never identified. So unless they become the biggest villain on Raw, what the flub is happening? Of course, the referee didn't see this, though, and Logan already has the punch of doom, so he smacked Ricky right in the head. Down he went. He had been, I don't know, killed, I suppose. And he got the one, two, three. And actually, this was better than I was expecting because I knew deep down in my tootsie toes Logan Paul was going to get the victory. But I didn't think we'd give Ricochet out. Now he's got that out. I just thought this was so damn entertaining. And once again, kind of makes me mad how effortless Logan Paul makes professional wrestling look. But I could watch these two guys wrestle every day. Makes me sound a little bit like a stalker. <laughs> I'm not. That wasn't me hiding in the bushes. That was somebody else. Shouldn't have made that joke. <laughs> it's going to go bad. <laughs> Giving it up. We then saw Seamus arriving in a monster truck, which died into nothing. Although I guess I suppose we were in Detroit. When this madness continued, it was time for Brock Lesnar versus Cody Rhodes. And this really did make me laugh. As clearly Brock wanted to go on first, but Logan Paul usurped him by going, no, I've got to go see my brother. And man... When Cody made his entrance, this place went crazy. He's a star. He really wasn't playing games either as he jumped Brock Lesnar before the bell. But as soon as we got ding, ding, Bron was like, man, you have pissed me off now. And he started to suplex him, obviously. Turns out Cody wasn't going to take any of this shit because he then started to hit all these damn disaster kicks when Lesnar just ran over him. And he was suplexing him again. Uh, it's so I'm beast. We really weren't done with the wrestling tennis, though, because all of a sudden, Rhodes was like, oh, wait a minute. I forgot that 2023 Wrestling is sponsored by Dive. So he did dive onto Brockus Lesnar. When we saw Cody Rhodes' mum in the crowd, this time she wasn't nonchalant. She looked super duper worried. As she should have been, because Lesnar was about to kick this guy's ass. I mean, he destroyed him so bad at one point, he was just shouting at Cody, save yourself, save yourself. And I was like, man, I never thought we'd get here. Brock Lesnar actually thinks he's in Titanic. This is Jack talking to Rose. He also screamed, this is only going to get worse. Like an alien had taken over his body and he wasn't in control anymore. But actually, he was telling the truth. Because not only did he get F5 onto the floor, my friends, he also did it again through Alan the announce table. So I'm sorry, Cody Rhodes is going to wake up this morning and be like, oh man, I'm in a little bit of pain. It was such an awesome idea though, because the whole point was Cody Rhodes almost got counted out and he got in at nine. Then he almost got counted out again, but he got in at nine because he just wouldn't quit and he was going to fight from underneath. So what we've done here is we have turned Cody into the quintessential babyface, but for whatever reason, it totally works. I mean, I love this guy. We still continue to sell this idea that maybe, just maybe, Cody had bitten off a little bit more than he could chew. But when Lesnar went for another German suplex, he grabbed Tina the turnbuckle and he pulled her away from her home, which was a callback to their last match. It turns out Cody actually didn't care about this because he had another plan. Because <laughs> he got Sympathy still steps and he just went blam. And he smacked Brock right in the head. And the referee saw this. He was totally fine with it. I suppose he wanted Rhodes to win. He also then hit two Cody cutters, and the second one was from the top rope, so it was a super cutter, but Brock Lesnar got out of that, when all of a sudden he must have taken his Phoenix down, because he locked in the Kimura. It's another callback. Cody scurried to the ropes, because obviously he didn't want to die, when Lesnar was going to finish him off. That's when Cody decided nope, and he pushed him into the exposed team of the turnbuckle. And Brock hit it right in his tum-tum. Cody could now apply the Kimura. And I'm sorry, I don't care what anybody says. Brock Lesnar may very well be the best seller that has ever walked this planet Earth. Because, honestly, he genuinely looked like he was in pain 
the dude, even with all the praise, is still underrated. As soon as he did escape, he decided he was going to go for another F5 because that's his favorite move when Rhodes was like, no, you're not going to do that. And not only did he hit one crossroads, not only did he hit two crossroads, but he hit three crossroads, which was his favorite combo in AEW, and he beat Brockus Lesnar one, two, three. Just like that, clean in the middle, I was genuinely stunned. Amazingly, Lesnar also hugged Cody afterwards and shook his hand, which means that Rhodes is now the new Beast and Khan. That's how that deal works. And apparently, according to Triple H, none of that was planned. And Brock Lesnar just did it. And actually, I didn't believe this at first. But when you go back and watch it and look at Cody's face, he's terrified at first. Like, oh no, he's going to kill me. But I tell you, to use WWE speak... What a moment. So honestly, if we do not use this to send Cody Rhodes off into the stratosphere now and have him beat Roman Reigns at WrestleMania 40, then I do not understand the plan anymore. This was Fabu. SummerSlam went two for two. <laughs> that rhymes, so I'm happy. Give it up. It was then time to shake up the pacing a little bit because it was time for the Slim Jim Battle Royal. The Miz AJ Styles and of course LA Knight. Yeah, I've got proper entrances, but there was a surprise here. Just as everybody was about to get into it, MVP walked out and he was like, ha ha, there's one last competitor and it is the giant known as Omos. And I was like, well, clearly Omos is going to win. He's seven feet tall. How are you going to throw him out of the ring? It also meant that MVP must have pushed start on controller too because here came a brand new competitor. And I just want to say this. One, I was very happy to see Omos back because I think he's great. Screw the haters. But two, we are not casting him in the right role. When you see him in interviews, he's such a lovable guy. So I think we should present him as that. And of course, WWE will never do it. And now the comments are mad at me. He also threw out Apollo Crews, JD McDonough, and Rick Boots instantly. So if I was one of those guys, I'd be a bit worried. When Otis was eliminated by Imperium, so I was a damn sad panda. Chad Gable didn't like that, so he got rid of Giovanni Vinci instantly. So that was revenge. When Tommaso Ciampa not only eliminated both Viking Raiders, but he got rid of Shinsuke Nakamura. I was like, man, maybe he's getting a push. Sadly, though, of course, he does kind of have a thing with Bronson Reed, so soon Champa was out of there as well, as was Ridge Holland. I'm not going to lie. I didn't even realize he was in it. This is when I noticed that Austin Theory was in the thing. He got rid of Cameron Grimes, so he scooted him twice this week. When Karrion Cross got rid of Santos Escobar. Once again, I was just scrambling with notes here. I couldn't actually keep up to date with who was in it. Gable then finished the job because he was able to get rid of Ludwig Kaiser when Otis threw out Butch and Matt Riddle. So whatever plans we may have had for Riddle at one stage, we'll take them, put them on your foot and go whoop, out the window they go. Finally, we got to LA Knight who tried to get rid of the big man. But when that didn't work, everybody in the ring was like, okay, look, we have a real dilemma here but maybe if we all come together our combined strength means we can knock otis over the top rope i was like why did you say otis simon i meant omas it did end though with aj styles hitting him with a phenomenal forearm when 68,722 individuals came together and that's right they did knock the giant to the floor i couldn't believe it mostly because this battle royal spot will outlast us all. Knight was then able to throw Miz out of the top rope and everybody loved that as Sheamus got rid of Grayson Waller and AJ Styles got rid of Karrion Cross. So at least at this stage he murked him again but actually it was going to be his undoing. Reed also suplexed Chad Gable out of there and this got booed so that made me happy but then everyone was cheering again because LA Knight was like ha Reed out you go. We then did get to the wonderful rules of the battle royal because Karrion then just came back out 
and he grabbed AJ Styles' foot. And look, the referees saw this. They were like, well, there's not much we can do. Which is when Sheamus spied all this and he bro-kicked Styles out of there. So I guess the carrying AJ stuff is going to continue. Whatever. I also thought this was really smart because it means our final two were Sheamus and LA Knight. And given that LA had won on SmackDown, everybody started freaking out going, oh no, he's not going to win. But he did, my friends. He got rid of Sheamus. LA Knight won. The evasion was so big, you would have thunk he just won the damn Raw Rumble. Now, I actually don't know what you get for winning this thing. Nobody told us. So I'm just going to make it up and say you get a wonderful new hat. And I think this is very good for LA Knight because it does seem like WWE is going to push him. And they have to now. He just got a brand new hat. You can't not capitalize on such a situation. I enjoyed this. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how get 30, how get 20, 20, 20, get 20, 20, get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. When we got to the argument of the evening, well, actually the first of two, there's always so many. Because he was Shayna Baszler versus Ronda Rousey in an MMA rules match. And look, I totally get it. This wasn't going to be for everybody. And if you're into your more traditional pro wrestling, you probably watched this and thought, well, I don't get it at all. That is totally cool. The thing is, though, I did and I would like more of this all of the time. Well, not all of the time, just some of the time. But as I always keep going on about, there's so much wrestling on my television set. And while I am very blessed that I get to review it all, when you do give me something different, I just start doing the dance of joy. I flubbing love it. This was also two people who are badasses in real life just kicking the shit out of each other. At one point, Ronda took her leg. Just smash Shayna in the head. I was like, man, that definitely wasn't fake. It looked like it hurt. Also allowed Baszler to fire up as all of a sudden we went into the submissions because we had Kimuras, we had ankle locks, and we had Arbal. And somehow during the ankle lock, Ronda counted it into a sleeper. She must have been tired. There was this really weird bit where Shayna was beaten up a little bit too much, so medical professionals were working on her. I was like, man, you don't do that in a real fight and you wouldn't do it here. And apparently the rumor on the street is that Shayna Baszler and Ronda Rousey wanted to do this one way, but the creative people in WWE wanted to go another way. So I still think you could fine tune this, but as a little bit of a spectacle, I'd give it a tick. Eventually Shayna Baszler was able to lock in the Kira Fuda clutch as well. And because Ronda Rousey was running out of there, she did pass out. Rightfully, the ref was like, well, I'm going to have to end the match. 
Otherwise, she'll die. It's true. I also will admit that the live crowd didn't really get into this. That's mostly because I think it translated better on TV. And either way, if Ronda Rousey is going away and we don't see her for a while, if we pull the trigger with Shayna Baszler now and present her as the badass that she is, I think she could fly. I'd even have her win the Royal Rumble if she can get some momentum. So I am giving it an up. I only went eight minutes. It was a nice experiment. I had a good time. When there was just more ass kicking, because it was Drew McIntyre versus Gunther. And again, they were in the back and somebody said, oh, hi guys, what's the plan? And they just turned and went, <laughs> we're going to try and murder each other. There was also big men slapping mad meat for the Intercontinental Championship. And also, I just love the two directions that we could have gone here. Because one, do you have Gunther win and go on to beat the Intercontinental title record? Or two, do you surprise everybody and have Drew get the win? And then it was solid instantly when Gunther decided, <laughs> I'm going to slam Drew McIntyre onto the symbol of the steel steps. And when Drew hit, he was all like, oh no, me back. And even I was squirming like a worm. That looked horrible. We also then got all the chops and all the suplexes and all the clotheslines. And I was shouting at my television. I'm sorry, Gunther is a murderer. That's what he's trying to do here. Why is nobody helping it? It really did start to rock and roll though, because the Intercontinental Champion had hit a German suplex and Drew just got to his feet and whammed him with a line. This is when it was the Scottish Warriors turn, because he started to hit some neck breakers, which was the theme of the evening. Let's try and break somebody's device that holds your head in line with your body. I don't know why I didn't make it as a doctor. He then went for the Claymore, but Gunther ducked that, went for the Bomb of Power, when all of a sudden Drew hit his own, and hit the Future Shock DDT. That's when the near fall started. It was WrestleMania. Somebody must have also whispered in McIntyre's ear, we're not shouting out our 2023 sponsor enough, because then he did this amazing dive. And look, he is not a small guy, and he landed on his feet. Thought that was absolutely tremendous. He then got back in the ring, went for Claymore round two, but Gunther got out of the way of that and he hit the power bomb. And I actually bit on this. One, two, Drew kicked out. Five stars in the Tokyo Dome. Of course, we then had to bring balance back to the fourth, so McIntyre got the Claymore and Gunther kicked out of that. But at this point, I was like, right, I don't know who we're going to give this to. And I already think whoever does win, nobody's going to lose because I just think it's so well put together. They then decided they were going to climb to the top rope and punch each other because they are crazy. And actually, this was a terrible idea for McIntyre because Gunther crotched him on the top ropes. He was like, oh no, my penis. When he hit him with the splash, hit him with the most horrible clothesline you've ever seen. He got the power bomb and he beat him one, two, three. So I tell you, I love it when WWE does this on pay-per-views, premium live events. You have two people going at it. One wins, one loses. I don't look at Drew and go, oh man, you're an absolute loser now. I go, thank you for the memories. I don't know what that means. I would also turn McIntyre heel now and he did storm off looking really pissed off. And surely now Gunther does defeat the Honky Tonk Man's record, which he should do, because this has been a phenomenal run. He's getting it up. When the joy kept on coming too, because it was Seth Rollins versus Finn Balor for the world heavyweight title. I think this is the best match they've had. We had a bunch of wink, wink, nudge, nudges as well because Seth was wearing gear that was very reminiscent of their 2016 SummerSlam match, whereas Balor was much less subtle. He had seven written on the shoulder that he injured in that match. Either that or he likes that movie or he likes that character that Dustin Reynolds played in WCW. 
but it can't be that. In fact, never look it up. It don't make any sense. Balor also attacked Rollins because he was just stood there enjoying the whoa, whoa, when this just turned into a brawl straight away. I was like, good, that's how it should be. Finn was then so desperate to be a comic book villain, he was going after Rollins' shoulder because he did want revenge. When Seth was like, nah, man, you ain't going to do that to me. And he was hitting the Falcon Arrow. It's like the first one minute. He also hit three consecutive dives. So our 2023 wrestling sponsors were over the moon. And then when we cut back to Balor, he was bleeding from the mouth. Can't lie, it made him look pretty damn cool. He also then took Rollins' arm and just hurled it into Rita the ring post over and over again when he did the powerbomb into Barry Barricade, which again is a callback to 2016. Also upset me, hence why I'm wearing the shirt. It rolls up to 92. We're only eight away from Barry's funeral. Rollins then came back with a frog splash for two and a superplex. And just when he was about to finish it, from nowhere, Finn hit the most devastating move in all of sports entertainment, the surprise roll-up. And a big piece of me was like, please let him do it. He didn't. Seth then dodged the Coupe de Gras and hit the pedigree for another great near fall. When all of a sudden, somebody must have shouted, we need more shenanigans. Because here came Damien Priest. And he's got the damn briefcase. He wasn't playing either, because behind the ref's back, he just punched Seth right in his damn nose. And this is when Finn Balor hit the pedigree, and we had another one, two, ooh. And look, not in a million years did I think Finn Balor was going to beat Seth Rollins with a pedigree. But by this point, I was so damn plugged in, I lost my mind. Rhea Ripley and Dominic Mysterio were then here, which made you go, oh my gosh, maybe Finn Balor is going to do it. But this is when Damo's like, use the briefcase, use the briefcase. But Seth Rollins didn't want to use the briefcase. I'm screwed up again. Finn Balor didn't want to screw the briefcase. So all of a sudden, these two were looking at each other. I do not think they're going to be friends for very long. That's when Rollins used all of this because he hit the curb stomp. But my word, Balor kicked out of two. And this was so damn smart because then I was going, well, all of Judgment Day is here. And Seth has now hit his finisher. I think Finn is going to do it. That totally doubled when all of a sudden Dominic Mysterio was being a prick. So Seth Rollins had to go to the outside and hit him with the stomp. Then when he got back in the squared circle, Finn Balor did get the Coupe de Gras. And I thought he was going to become the champion. Rollins kicked out at two. Priest then decided he was just going to leave the briefcase in the ring and be like, Finn, I think you should use this as a weapon. But when Balor went to get it, all of a sudden, Rollins ran in. He hit the curb stomp on the briefcase and he got the one, two, three. Now, look, I was a big advocate for Finn Balor winning here and maybe even Damian Priest cashing in. But doing it this way, you have just opened the door to so many potential opportunities and directions. Just getting a round of applause. The last five minutes of this especially was so damn good. And even though they do get a lot of plaudits, we do not sing their praises enough. It's like a Brock Lesnar situation again. Go watch it up. It then turns out there was a reason we didn't do the men's cash in here. I'm pretty sure you can figure out what I mean by that. Before we do get to that, though, given that we have just mentioned Rhea, I do want to bring Rhea Ripley back into the conversation, as well as Trish Stratus, Becky Lynch, and Raquel Rodriguez. Let's just be negative Nancys for a second, because it's getting it down. Because now that we know that Trish is cleared, meaning we could have done Becky versus Stratus, and that there was no reason not to do Rhea Ripley versus Raquel, I just think this was such an oversight, especially with Rhea's WWE Women's Championship. When you get to something as big as SummerSlam, that should be being defended. And I do get it too, this show went four hours long, which was a little bit too much, so you don't want to add any more matches. But it doesn't mean you can't understand, but also be disappointed. That's where I am now. It's like how my parents feel about me. That's why it's getting it down. Anyway, it was then time for Charlotte Flair versus Bianca Belair versus Oscar for the WWE Women's Championship. 
And amazingly, as I talk to you now, none of these three actually hold that belt. Before that though, Charlotte and Bianca were just flying around like it was nothing when Oscar got in there and she started suplexing everyone. And I think what I enjoyed most about this match is usually what you do in a triple threat is that you beat one person up and they go on the outside and the other two get at it. But here, they tried to come up with creative ideas, meaning all three could wham into each other at once. Now, sometimes it worked and sometimes it didn't, but that should be the whole point. You give it a go and see. Flair also came flying off the top with a double crossbody, which was cool. And then, yeah, I think something happened with her ring gear because Oscar and Bianca Belair were kind of fighting in the corner and Oscar had to go to the Oscar lock while Charlotte sorted this out. But who cares? They figured it. It wasn't a problem. Move on. Paul Belair then continued this by doing a moonsault, but she landed onto everybody's knees, which looked horrible. When Charlotte climbed the top rope and she did one to the outside, doesn't matter how many times I see that, it's always damn impressive. Thankfully, she did a more successful one later because Oscar locked on the Oscar lock to Charlotte when Bianca came in and broke it up. And then we were just going crazy. Because somebody went for a DDT? Nope. Somebody went for a German suplex? Nine. Oscar putting Belair in the Oscar lock as Charlotte snuck over and kind of let on everybody to try and get the pin. Didn't work. If I tell you, that was a cool spot. This is when Flair also hurled Bianca over the top rope and her knee went right into Simba the Steel Steps. And at first I was like, oh my gosh, I think that may be legit because Belair screamed out in pain and there were a bunch of doctors and she started to limp. Now look. As soon as she did get taken down the aisleway, she turned around to return to the squared circle. I just thought that worked very well. And this was doubly so because the reason she decided to turn around was that Charlotte had Oscar in the figure eight. And because she arches her back, Bianca went to the top rope and she hit her with a 450. One, two, kick out. That ruled. It did piss off the queen though, so she applied the figure eight to Bianca. This is when Oscar snuck over, when she spat the mist in Charlotte's face when she was going to run in to do something, but the EST realized this and she hit the most devastating move in all of sports entertainment, the surprise roll-up. And I could not believe it. She got the three and she was the champion. And as it wasn't on my bingo card, I went crazy. But as it turned out, it sucked to be her because instantly EO Sky's music hit. This place went nuts. She came out with Bailey. They used the briefcase as a murder weapon because they twonked everyone when they gave it to the referee. And because this was an official cash-in, the official knew what to do. When you do the tease, the ref will be like, oh my gosh, I don't understand what's going on. Why are you talking to me in Russian? Here, no problems. It also meant the Sky could go to the top rope and she hit the moonsault to get the one, two, three. And this place came unglued again. And I just thought this was damn wonderful. Warm and fuzzy in your tum-tum stuff. Because EO Sky did it. It was a good period where I didn't think we were going to pull the trigger. We also saw all of Damage Control celebrating afterwards because Dakota Kai was here. So that was wonderful too. And yeah, if we do this right, well, just you wait and see. Give it an up. When Roman Reigns took about 10 minutes <laughs> to get to the ring. It's just what he does. It also meant that it was Roman Reigns versus Jey Uso in tribal combat. And I would just tell you this. I was so damn pumped. There are a few things we need to talk about. Because I think the WWE misconstrued this one a little bit because, again, it was Roman, it was Jay, it was family, it was the bloodline, it was tribal combat. And for the first five minutes, they kind of wrestled. Now, eventually, we did get to the weapons and kendo sticks and chairs and tables. But I was like, I don't want to see you do headlocks and stuff. I want to see you kick each other's ass. And eventually, Uso did chuck Roman into Simba the Still Steps and we did get going. And then he got a table. This was very smart because have a guess what the crowd was chanting for. 
That's right, tables. Our tribal chief went and used a kendo stick as well, so I was mad, because I was like, well, that's betrayal right there. What do you call yourself? The head of the table, and there was some wood, and you went for a stick. You should be ashamed of yourself. Paul Heyman kept casting distraction too, because that is the way, although it didn't work out. Because Jay then got this stick of kendo, and he just went to town on his cousin. It was like he thought there was gold in his ribs and he wanted to check. Jay then flew off the top rope, but Roman wrecked him in midair. But I tell you, when he went for the spear and Jay turned it into the most devastating move in all of sports entertainment, well, I did bite a little bit. Like, I never actually truly believed that he was going to win, but I had that 1% of doubt. Jay Uso was then using chairs where he somehow found every chair on the planet and threw it in the ring. And while he was going to suplex Roman onto these, Reigns was like, well, no, that doesn't really sound like much of a holiday for me. So he powerbombed Jay into them instead. Honestly, we should have done this 10 minutes earlier. And I suppose if I do have one critique about the thing, just a little bit too long. It was pure escalation, though, because then Jay Samoan dropped Roman Reigns from the ring apron through the tables. And I went and did my research and everything is okay because they are both Samoan. Otherwise, this would have just been the drop. He also then started to literally whip Reigns because he had this strap. I've been thinking about this all morning. Why was that under the ring and who put it there? Eventually, they started to fight in the crowd, which, of course, is when Sola Sokoa turned up. And as there was just a random table, he grabbed Jay and he hit the spinning Solo through it. I was like, man, this is getting totally nuts. But once again, you could have shaved off 10 minutes. I'm going to leave it there. I've said it. There's always one moment in these matches, though, that does send you absolutely loopy. And we got it here because they got back to the ring. And Roman Reigns and Solo were going to go for their spear spike thingamajig. Which from now on, I'm going to call the ear Ike. But man, Jey Uso pulled Solo in the way, meaning Roman speared Sokoa. I was like, man, he ain't going to forget that. It also allowed Uso to spear Roman for another close near fall. And I was totally into it by this stage. But apparently Solo just can't get over anything because he was back and he super kicked Jay. And I was like, what about Roman, Solo? What about Roman? But that's when he took his eyes and he looked at the tribal chief. I was like, oh my gosh, they're staring at each other. This is super serious. It also totally distracted Roman because Jay then ran in and speared him through Barry Barricade. So once again, mixed emotions from me. We drag it down. 93 also looked pretty good. Jay had leveled up by this point as well, so he then got revenge for what Solo Sokoa had done to Jimmy Uso because he splashed him through Alan the announce table. But once again, my nostril hairs picked up, which is a horrible thing to say, but I could smell shenanigans. Because I kid you not, after this, Jay Uso hit the spear and he hit the big splash, which was the finish at Money in the Bank, and he had the head of the table pinned. No ifs, no buts, no maybes. And just when the referee was about to hit three, a hooded man appeared and he pulled Jay out of the ring and all my dreams were dead. Amazingly too, when this person revealed himself, it was Jimmy Uso. And I don't care. Once again, WWE is all like, oh man, we're about moments. We're about moments. The look on his face as he just tilted his head, I thought it was damn brilliant. The crowd was also chanting... You, Jimmy, excuse my language, when of course he super kicked his brother and then he threw the bones to Roman Reigns who speared Jay through a table and he got the one, two, three. Now look, a lot of people didn't like this, but just stay with me one second. I do understand this wasn't for everybody and once again, the match wasn't entirely what I thought it was going to be. But actually, when you go back through all the story beats, this is exactly what WWE should have done. Because look at it this way. The Usos have said for years that their dream contest would be a one-on-one match with each other at WrestleMania. And if you can hold out to WrestleMania 40, not only do you tick that box, 
But what else can they do as a tag team? They're already one of the best tag teams ever. So if this situation comes up where you can break them up, I say do it. I also think the WWE has had this plan all the way through till April 2024. It's not like they just came up with this on Thursday. And also, it does make sense. Ain't two plus two equals potato. I bet Jimmy gets on the microphone and says, oh, Jay. I can't believe you were picked as the tribal chief. I was jealous. Also, given how successful this whole thing has been so far, I ain't going to get mad at it. But also now, you can do exactly what we did with Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. You can move the Usos away from Roman Reigns. They're done. They can become bigger stars because of it. Then we do Roman versus Solo Sokoa. Eventually, we have that done. Then Roman loses his titles, and you put a full stop on it. So I think this was very well put together, and I am going to give it an up. I mean, it was just... A rollicking good time. It's like watching a TV show. You don't have to agree with the fact that one of the characters went bad, but you kind of still want to see where it goes. But yeah, look, the next time we do tribal combat, maybe make it a little bit more tribal and a little bit more combat. Which did indeed bring us to the end of SummerSlam, and I am going to give it an up. I do not think that WWE misses with PLEs. Stupid thing to say these days. I was excited for it, and I felt like it delivered. Up. Now, please do leave a comment below and let me know how wrong I am, because that's the idea. When you click the video on the screen, which will be ups and downs for SmackDown, so you can connect the dots. Before you like the video, share the video and subscribe. Go to whatculture.com to see what the news is following SummerSlam, and come give us a follow on social media. My name is Simon for What Culture. Thank you very much for joining me as always. Don't forget to come back tomorrow, Monday morning, where we will ups and downs for The Collision Show, which apparently was also very good. I'm going to go watch it now. See you soon. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 